Hey everybody, how's it going? This is Rob Turley, your host of Down the Rabbit Hole podcast, brought to you by White Rabbit Intel, where you can hyper-target your market and be able to identify the leads that are best fit before reaching out to them. So predictive prospecting, hashtag predictive prospecting, hashtag high volume is dead. And for my boy, James Buckley here, hashtag say what sales, exactly. So now you already know who's on here. Everybody knows James Buckley. And if you don't, you should damn well get to know him because he's awesome. So James, please, if you don't mind introducing yourself, if I didn't do well enough, that'd be yeah, great. Yeah, Rob, man. Thank you so much for having me back. This is such a great show. Uh, 2021 top podcast, definitely well-deserved. I love the flow. Um, I am a sales trainer, sales coach. Uh, I am addicted to sales, everything sales. I don't think I have like one specific title. I wear lots of hats, marketer, content creator, uh, business growth consultant, uh, sales trainer, sales coach, you name it. I try to personal do. brand expert. Personal brand is like my jam, man. Like I think everyone is headed in that direction. And we're going to talk more about why that's so important and what's changed over the last two years uh, based on that information. But I love salespeople that want to build a personal brand and I give them a great course to help them do so. And that is one of the things that is close to my heart. Invest in yourself, man. You're totally worth it. And why is it so important to invest in yourself? Well, I know the answer to this, but why is it so important to invest in yourself as a salesperson, uh, whether it be to buy the training yourself if your company won't provide it? Because companies, historically, this is garbage, awful, terrible stuff, by the way, uh, is that about $1,200 per salesperson is the total investment on average for companies with the training they give their salespeople, which is like, what? And then also why it's so good to invest in your personal brand, even if you're selling for your company, you can take that with you is my advice on that. You could take your personal brand with you. You can get hired because of your personal brand. But what are these most important aspects and, and reasons why in your mind? Yeah. So getting hired is one part of it. And it's a big part of it, I think. But it's not the whole pie. Um, the other parts of the pie consist of quite a few pieces. The, one of the number one things that salespeople struggle with, with when prospecting is earning credibility. If you have a strong personal brand and people see that when they go to look for you, uh, I think 67% of buyers agree that they go to LinkedIn and they look at a profile before they decide whether or not they're going to give a salesperson time. What that means is if you have a strong LinkedIn, a strong Instagram, a strong Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, TikTok, whatever you might be on, that that person goes and looks you up and they see something amazing in you. They see your own content, your own thoughts. They see somebody that is a, a person that's sharing a valued resource, somebody that's soliciting opinions from others in the industry. What they see is someone they want to talk to versus somebody that just shares once a month and it's the company's article that they release and it's very self-serving. It's the difference in being a credible resource and being a salesperson that just wants my money. So why invest in your personal brand, Rob? Because we have to be able to show people that don't know us who we are, what we do, and that we're worth talking to. So that's step one. Another reason to invest in your personal brand is that it helps with professional growth, generally speaking. It also helps with personal growth. We want to drive towards success, and we need drive personally in order to achieve success professionally. I'm very fond of saying we can't grow professionally until we are willing to grow personally. So invest in your personal brand so that you always have a learning channel, something that pushes you to create and consume, that aids in that growth and development that you're after. But there's even more 
to investing in yourself. It's nobody's job to make you successful at whatever you do. That responsibility lies with you. So take steps, no matter what they might be, to invest time, resources, and education in yourself. How are you growing to the next stage in your life slash career? I love that you say that, that nobody's job is to make sure that you're successful. Some people mix that up with leadership's job or the management's job. That right. is not true. Their job is to ensure that you have all of the tools and the processes in place and, and like a well-oiled machine so that you can do your job properly. They have two jobs. successful or not, that's a whole different story. That's right. They have two jobs. The job is to enable you as best as they can to be successful and then hold you accountable when you're not. That's their job. Not make you successful. That is not something that they are equipped to do, nor is it something that they are responsible for. And yet, so many professionals, I don't wanna use the label sellers, but I could use that label. So many professionals, young professionals specifically, come into a job and believe that it's somebody else at the company that's going to enable them to be successful. That job is the leader. Someone else is going to make me, they're going to wave a magic wand and poof, I'm going to be a successful professional. No, you've got to go learn and develop and absorb and then put into action all on your own without the help of anybody else external. Yeah, no, 100% true. And building your personal brand is part of that. So credibility, back to that. I like the idea behind credibility for salespeople because they've been so discredited over such a long period yeah, of time. I mean, people avoid salespeople because of the title. I mean, look at companies like Google. They don't even allow people, it's against company policy for someone to have a title salesperson yeah. because of how negatively viewed it is. That needs to come back. There needs to be trust put back into it, but it's all the spray and pray, high volume bullshit approach. Yeah, I'm in sales. That's perfect. Uh, for anybody who's listening, he's holding up a sign that says, I, uh, yeah, I'm in sales. And yeah, he's proud yeah. of it. That's the thing is that you should be proud of it because you are helping people solve a problem. If that's not what you're doing, if you're a product peddler, if you're a pill pusher, you shouldn't be in sales or you're doing it all wrong. One or the other. So, so I think there's an, a line in the sand for what sales is and what it's not, what outbound is versus what inbound is. Uh, you used the example there of pharmaceutical sales. Uh, I think pharmaceutical sales and real estate are two things that the sale is essentially based on two things, inventory and your buyer selected, yes, I will buy this. Those two things aren't the same as solution selling outbound reaching out and getting attention on a phone call from somebody that had no intention of giving you any. Yeah, you're talking about selling versus order taking. Correct, yes. If you are in real estate, if you are in pharmaceuticals, if you are in retail, there is an element of cashierness there, right? You're not held to this standard of outbound new sourced business. You basically are the person that puts together the deal and then the buyer decides, I'm going to come to the register with this and check out, right? That, and I think real estate and um, uh, pharmaceuticals function in the I, same way. I mean, way. Even, even inbound with like SaaS, I mean, what, what is it? It's 70% of the decision making is already complete if someone comes in inbound. That's a big stat, and people throw that stat out, stat out a lot. And I think it was originated at, at Sandler Training, uh, and it's a good stat. I don't know that 
it's that high of a percentage in today's fast-paced society. I think at one point it probably was. But I'll also note well, that- Well, also to, to, to heed warning on statistics themselves, because you know what's kind of fucked up? According to whatever data science place that came up with this idea, but if you have a sample of 150 people, it's considered a relevant statistic. If you have over a thousand, it's considered a valid statistic. So you don't need that many people. You can, you can talk to a thousand random people and that could be in one city, just like San Francisco to get, oh yeah, this is what the world believes. It's enough to say this is what the world believes, which is absolutely batshit crazy. It is. It's we make a lot of assumptions based on a couple data points we read, um, and we don't really know all the details of how those data points were collected. But if you look at what's happening, what's trending in your day-to-day -day routines, that's the only stat that matters. And that's why I say, especially to salespeople, pragmatism is the religion of sales, right? You want to find what works, and then you want to double down on what's working. The other side of that coin is that what works for one person may not work for another. So there's this like conflicting perspective that's coming to light now in our space that I don't think leadership ever really gave its just dues in the past. In the last two years, we've seen leadership go from volume-based selling to quality-based selling. The market demanded that sellers actually put thought, time, and effort into their messaging because so many multiple companies were just like spraying out all types of messaging from their salespeople and just hoping for the best and saying, I'm going to respond to the The, the market was too ripe uh, for that to, to, to go wrong. And it's it, it's funny how it goes that way. I, I'm trying to spread that the hashtag, hashtag high volume is dead with a little skull. I know I said this in the past two episodes, probably, I don't know. Uh, but uh that's the idea is that it's no longer good. You're not actually making a connection. Selling is relationship building. If there's no relationship, there's no trust. If there's no trust, there's no sale. And that's the biggest piece. Just like you're saying, these companies are changing. Over the past two years, companies have become more and more willing to talk to people like White Rabbit Intel, my company, because yeah. of the switch. Before, they're like, ah, oh, we'll do the same thing we did before, this high volume. Now they're coming to us like, what can we do to find the right people because <laughs> no one's buying anything anymore? Oh my God, help me. It's totally flipped. We were ahead of the market, apparently. Uh, but that was the thing. It was such a struggle for us before that. They weren't willing to hear it or talk about it or even think it. But then people like you and I, James, have been talking about this shift for years. Years, yeah. And we knew it was coming. I think if you talk to top performers today at the frontline salesperson level, meaning frontline SDRs, frontline AEs, even your customer success people that are close to revenue, Customer success people that do onboarding and training are a little different than customer service, customer success people that do onboarding, training, upsell, and cross-sell, right? Those are two very different levels of customer success. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like six account success management executive. <laughs> it, it, it's a very weird, um, it's a very weird thing that's happened in our space. And I think I'm glad that it happened because it's allowed AEs and SDRs to focus more on new business rather than selling into existing accounts, which I don't know if you guys know, but that's your job. Uh, talk to strangers, who knew? <laughs> but when you look at the level of competency that has to be there for us to focus on new business only, that part of it alone is daunting two years ago. Two years ago, you'd have had people that if they came inbound or if they came in to a company, one of the questions that people were getting at interviews used to be, well, how does marketing support me as a seller, right? Meaning, how do you feed me leads, 
right? How do I get leads? Today, the people that are coming in and successfully being, you know, performing consistently as a seller, those people know how to go source their own leads, build their own lists, define their ICPs, dig and find the golden nuggets that they need to have to be able to generate pipeline. They also know that they can do less better and hit their number more often. And that is night and day compared to what used to be happening in 2019, just prior to COVID-19 hitting the scene. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's a sickness that more people have realized. I mean, look at Microsoft. Well, if, if anybody didn't know, Microsoft owns uh, LinkedIn. So, ta-da! That's why the UI is always broken. Um, <laughs> but Microsoft owns LinkedIn. And what did LinkedIn do? Because LinkedIn was meant to... If you look at your SSI, your social selling index on LinkedIn Sales Navigator, if you didn't know it exists, look up by your settings, it's there. You can see your social selling index. If you do a lot of high volume, you can see that your social selling index is probably scraping the barrel at the bottom. If you have a really high social selling index, you're talking to the right people. You're having relevant conversations. You're creating valuable content. It's everything you're supposed to be doing. It's always been there. Nobody knew it existed or knew it was relevant. But that's the thing is that... Um, the best salespeople are having relevant conversations. You should be talking to individuals. They put a blocker. What? You can only have 200 connection requests per week, which I still think is too much personally. Um, and th that's the thing. Talk to less people. L Microsoft literally said, stop using it. This is not the way it was intended. Please stop. All you're doing is spamming it and you're making our, us lose users. No one's using us anymore because of yeah. it. It, it created a danger for their existence. It's going to become another Facebook. They had to prevent that somehow. So don't be mad at them. Be mad at your process because it's been wrong. There's a better way to do it, connecting with the right people. So how do we do that is a data-driven, relationship-driven, client-centric approach. And everything's moving towards client centricity. So how do we give them the buyer safety, safety that they need and build those relationships that we need? It's through a personal approach. And personalization at scale, whoever said that should be shot because that's impossible. Relevance at scale is possible. But even still, it's about segment, 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 segment and create the messaging around the individual to cut through that noise. I would say segment plus context is where we landed. Yes. Right? Segment naturally leads to relevance. So segment plus context means that we would have some level of reason, purpose, something that caught our attention, some trigger that caused us to actually put someone on our list. Oddly, we were talking about this on one of the pre-webinar calls that we had earlier today. Oddly, like if you talk to many frontline sellers, you say, hey, give me a couple names for the accounts that you're working right now. A lot of them don't know. A lot of them can't name a name or an account on their list, which is very frightening. <laughs> right. And I would even dare to say segment plus context over relevancy nice. equals engagement. That's not bad. That's actually a really good equation. You should write that down. And you should, you should submit that somewhere as a genius equation to work with. For what it's worth, we're talking about our social selling index. Uh, mine is a 77. I don't know what yours is, but mine is a 77 out of 100. Yeah, that's that's incredible. Uh, I mean, I mean, we did the math behind if someone's a best fit to work with, for God's sakes. I mean, we, we built, um, we, we even built an algorithm around um, tech stack. Like, what are all the elements in your tech stack? What are you using? What are all the features and everything like that? And it's just, yeah. uh, it's, it's an equation that tells you, okay, here are your redundancies and this is how effective it is. I don't know. I don't know. If those we did this shit for fun, dude. <laughs> all right, for those of you that want to know, uh, for all four of the components of my score, here's how they're ranked. Number one, my number one skill is establishing my personal brand. 
right? That's a that's the highest one. The second highest one is building strong relationships, right? That's the second highest one. The third highest one is engaging with insights, right? That's my third highest one. Adding value, you're just saying, hey, how's it going? <laughs> right. Oh, nice pick. Great share. Like those things don't go anywhere. Uh, and then my fourth highest is finding the right people. I target the right people. So it's interesting how the brand leads to the relationship and the insights complement the brand and the relationship. And I can target the right people and all those things become hyper valuable, right? So like if you follow it in a funnel, that's pretty, that's pretty legit. I want to shift the conversation a little bit because we talked before we went live about a change over the last two years and something that's come to fruition now that you and I were talking about a long time ago uh, that's now starting to be something that we're seeing a lot. And you can go on LinkedIn and you can look for this job. For those of you that are out there listening, write this down, set a note in your phone, look up the job evangelist and see what comes back. Chief evangelist or evangelists, there's a lot more of those growing left and right. That's my job right now. My title technically is Chief Evangelist and Master of Ceremonies at JB Sales. Now, two years ago, you would have never seen this as a legitimate, it would have been one of those uh, one of those titles that were like growth ninja. <laughs> yep. Or like or like hacker, you know, like you're like just a made of crap that someone know. came up with at some point in time that they had no idea what to call themselves and so they just call themselves something. Growth hacker, I hated though. It was mostly just spam artist. Yeah. That's growth hacker is. That should have been the title. Demand gen specialist. Copy expert. Less specialized <laughs> spam artist. You know, it's it's crazy what that is. Because what, what the hell even is that? Demand generation. This I, I think there's an element of value in copy. If you're somebody out there that's a growth ninja or a growth hacker, like you probably are good at copy. You should just say, I'm good at copy. Don't call yourself a growth ninja or a growth hacker. Sales uh, copywriting specialist. Right, right. You know, there's a lot of things like that that I think. And then demand gen, marketing and <laughs> advertising copywriting specialist. <laughs> but we're starting to see this evangelist role come up. And the value that's in this is basically networking and magnetism. That's what we're learning is that. We need people at companies that have a digital footprint, so much so that when they talk, when they exist online, people gravitate towards them and therefore gravitate towards our company organically. This is the evangelist role that is coming about. And we're seeing it happen in real time at events all over the place. So recently I went to Chicago's AAISP event. We sell sales training. We do sales training, sales coaching, sales development, all those things that we do here at JB Sales. My session with Morgan J. Ingram was on how to attract, hire, and retain top sales talent in 2022. And you might say, James, that topic is completely disconnected from what your end goal would be. And you'd be right if you said that. However, we had one of the busiest sessions that were there. And so many people were interested in this topic. And I have to tell you, from like a personal perspective, Morgan and I have delivered a couple times together. This was probably our best delivery. But man, the response to this was epic. And you know how many people wanted to know more about our training through the session? They had to have sat down and listened to the session and got so involved and went online and looked at JB Sales, checked it out, right? This is the evangelist role. How are you the face and the voice 
of an organization, note, without tying your personal brand to an organization or specific value proposition. That's right. That's right. And it's not, it's, it's easier said than done. And just like you said, with uh, personal brand is the new brand. That's what it is. When you say brand, you mean personal brand because, it, and that's why chief evangelists are even happening. This is why evangelists are going on in the first place because people are not following the companies anymore. Like the Kleenex or anything like that. Like IBM, it, nobody, nobody follows their stuff anymore. I mean, really compared to what it used to be. I, people aren't following brands anymore. They're following people at brands that mean something. And then they follow that person to the next brand they move to. It's kind of incredible where it's not, it's about the people and people are waking up to that. I love how you're saying too, that with that, uh, that, uh, you know, talk that you did with Morgan is that that works against what it is that you offer because you're trying to fix issues within a sales team or sales hires. You're working directly with them, which means that if they get that right, they don't call you. Well, so think about it like this though, here's the tie-in. And this is where people need to start opening up their brains and thinking about who their target audience is and what matters most to them right now. If you think about it, we sell to sales leaders. If you're in my session about how to attract, hire, and retain top sales talent, you're hiring salespeople. What do all those salespeople need when they come on board? Training. Training. So the end goal isn't necessarily tied to the topic, but it's at the end of the path. When people come into the top of the funnel, shake my hand, ask me if we can connect next week, want to learn more about the training that we offer, and I even talk about that. In fact, several instances throughout the session, I got very tactical with sales and had to reel it in and say, this is not a sales tactical training. So let's get back to what we're talking about. And that's because people know our brand and they know what value they can get from us. That's just us doing a good job representing JB Sales and ourselves as thought leaders and sales experts and people that have been doing this for a long time, people that learn from others, like we represent ourselves in that way. So like once you represent yourself that way consistently over a long period of time, the people that know who you are will raise their hand in a session about hiring and ask you a question about discovery or a question about sales. And that's a good thing. You want that. But it wasn't my intention for the session, so we ended up having to reel it in. I'm literally telling people we're not here to talk about that, but they're coming to me at the end of the show asking if they can talk about that. That is a top-of-the-funnel lead, and the job of an evangelist is to capture that top-of-the-funnel lead and make sure that the follow-up is solid and that the person gets what they need. And maybe they, maybe we sell it to them. Yeah, maybe it's it's to show them down the funnel where they, they don't have to, they don't have to experience the whole nurture nurture part of the, the sequence, the process, yeah. well, where they go straight like to the SQL. Like, I liken it to like a decision of me being able to be like, yeah, let's have a quick conversation. What do you got for me? And having it right there and then sending them personalized messages after versus being like, sure, I'm happy to chat. Do you have a card? And then I come back to my desk on Monday and I drop her in a drip campaign. I don't want to do the latter. I'd rather do the former. Or you just lose the damn card and that's that. You know, <laughs> that, that's another thing too. But so, me your card. It's I'm gonna keep it forever. <laughs> right. Though a lot of people don't, and uh, I mean, sometimes you just lose them, right? You put them through the wash, all that stuff. But on, on another note, we we do something similar ourselves as an organization, where you talk about sales hiring, that kind of works against you. We talk about hyper targeting, higher quality, lower volume. Yeah. We are a utility based company. We charge based on volume. So when you listen to us and you truly learn from us, your spend with us decreases. We make less money from you, but you're succeeding so that you will scale instead of high, you will scale wide. 
And that's, that's the thing. The You're working people towards a point where they no longer need the service. Exactly what we're doing. But the convenience level of having the service will keep you there. It's just not going to be at a very high spend. But it'll retain that type of a thing. So we're working against ourselves. But the thing is, if you're not working for your client to not need you anymore, you're probably doing the wrong thing. Well, so I look at that like sales development leaders, too. It's the same thing. Imagine you're a sales development leader. That's usually the first stop for a new seller. They come out of college. Maybe they spend some time in the workforce. And then they land ass backwards into sales like most people, right? So then they become an SDR. At that point, the leader has to know, I'm going to work and train this person up to a point where they no longer work for me one day. And then at the same time, senior leadership is telling your director of business development, you need to be invested in your people. Leadership has a hard time. Middle Central leadership, like middle, middle. Yeah, grade, male management always, middle always, management. always puts the wrench in it. And they do. And I don't blame them because they're working towards a point where that person will one day not work for them. No matter where you fit in middle management, that's what you're doing. So it's tough to invest in somebody that you know will one day leave your team. Right? So here's where the real win is. Instead of like fretting about that, ask yourself how you can fine tune the process of getting someone to start with you and then getting them to be promoted to where they're no longer with you. Because if you can develop a team of individuals that consistently cycles in, through, and then out to the next role, what you've got is a scalable model for growth and sales. So I tell leaders all the time, like invest in your people long term for sure but know that your role in their development is short term. Yeah. Wow. That's insanely good advice. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm very impressed. Very impressed. That's awesome. I need, I need to let that like soak in for a minute. That was really good. <laughs> Never thought about it from that perspective before for a middle management solution. That's crazy. Anybody yeah. listening? My God, listen to this guy. He, he knows what he's talking about. That's awesome, James. And yeah, another piece that I'd like to bring up though, with the, uh, the two years that have gone by where things have changed, it's looking at social selling and other forms of digital outreach. How I'm not sure how this happened. No, no idea how it happened. But what, why do people feel like they have the right when they reach out over social media or some sort of digital aspect that they have the right to immediately pitch a product? Uh. What, what what happened? I mean, you're not going to walk up to someone at a grocery store and say, hey, I got these pens for sale. You want to buy these pens? Yep. Like, they're going to look at you like you're freaking crazy. So I'm going to tell you why this happens, in my opinion. I, I think this happens because leaders have a tendency to tell new sellers that they need a reason for reaching out to somebody, but they don't describe a great uh, yeah, They assume the reason's the product because their job is to sell the product. They assume that the reason is to sell. Nobody explains to the new seller, they have to connect first and earn the opportunity to sell. You need to give before you can get, hands down. Well, yeah. well, so give before you get is one aspect of it. But here's the other aspect of it. Do you think you're going to sell in that message, that DM? Do you think you're going to send a DM to somebody that is, you know, 16 pages long and they're going to read that whole thing and then get back to you and go, James, I've been waiting for this DM for six months. I'm so excited. Here's my credit card information. I'll take it all. Like, if that's what you think is going to happen, just, <laughs> just stop and realize that 
You've not even had a conversation with this person. You have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so as, as an executive, you know, when I get those, because I also do a lot of like sales coaching, sales solutions, architecture, things like that, as you know, when I get those, it always cracks me up because it's like, are, it's, it's, it's a book. It's a book that you just sent me. And what I usually send them is like TLDR, too long, didn't read. And then I do pro tip. And then I have packed responses to say, this is how you social sell better. So I give them tips on how to sell better. Or they send me that and um, I, I tell them, I said, well, what do you think is the most impactful statement? And I never read, I never read any of it, of course. What do you think is the most impactful statement in what you said? Then they send me another book. And then, you know, I have, I have like a stern conversation with them about why they shouldn't be doing what they're doing. And then end up helping them and then sending them off where I feel like I'm getting good karma from that. But that's the thing is that how come we haven't evolved beyond that point? We've not evolved beyond that point because our audience ignores rather than corrects. So they're not doing what I'm doing. That makes sense, but still. There are only a handful of leaders out there that will take the time to constructively correct a seller. I'm going to read you a real one that I just got the other day. This is real. I'm not making this up. This came on Tuesday. This is the first message I've ever gotten from this person. He's been in business development for eight years. So there's no excuse for this. This is the first message. James, how are you today? I'm senior business development officer from this company. Our services are XY, illustration, book cover, authors, publishing, video trailer, audiobook, authors website, marketing in Times Square, mobile applications, getting endorsements, Amazon ad boosting, pursuing local, regional, national media attention, global ebook distribution, submission to product houses for movie adaptation, authors, websites, and then this is the call to action. Kindly let me know if you're interested in any of these services so I can guide you accordingly. That's the only message I've ever received from this person. Now, we don't have to point out the obvious nature of the laundry list of things that they put in front of me. I don't know what to respond to. What we will call attention to is the fact that every single one of these things that he does could have been five, six different touch points. And I would have eventually responded to him. But he chose to bring all over me. And he'll never get a response from me like that. Never. It, it, it's funny how that works. You know, I, I got a pitch the other day in a, in a LinkedIn, uh, what do they call those things? The, uh, the in-mails. And I, 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 didn't, I don't have the, the thread anymore because I don't know, it, it got too buried. Um, but <laughs> It went something along the lines of she gave me like her entire life story. Uh, yeah. She said that she was like, you know, a, a business development specialist for uh, Tesla. And she gave me this whole pitch and this whole thing. And then she said, well, could you give me your number? Maybe we can catch up. Something. She was already asking for my contact info and everything at the end of it. It was very polite, though. And I said, listen, social selling is is a, is an indirect yet a little bit confusing thing where the fact that it's even called social selling is not very accurate because <laughs> the key to social selling is that you can't sell a single thing because you will never sell something on LinkedIn. The whole, the goal is to build enough of a rapport and build enough trust and be interesting enough for the person to want to meet you. And then the goal ultimately is to set a meeting through that relationship building. And I gave her like a whole, like, I think it was like, it's almost like an essay of what she needed to be doing to improve her process. And she, she reports, she was like, this is the best advice I've ever received in my entire career. And she's been selling for over 12 years. There's something I mean, really how did no one tell her? That, well, there's something inherently wrong with our space right now. And that is that 
we are entirely too self-serving. All of our touches are not about the people we're reaching out to or their companies. They're about us. So I have a couple tips. Uh, the first tip that I put out there is every time you write something to someone, and I don't care where you're writing it, write it on LinkedIn, write it in an email, write it in a letter. Look to the left margin. If what you see is I, 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 we, 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 R, 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 you're not writing to your prospect. You're writing about you. Stop writing about yourself. And then the second one is, dude, one thing. You get one thing to talk about. Don't talk about 17 things. That's and yes, you're excited about those 17 things, but just, just pick one. Well, so here's the thing. You can still get excited and talk about those 17 things in a meeting. What you can't do is do it in the message. Sell at the meetings that your messages set. Stop trying to sell in the messages. This is why your conversion rate has plummeted. Yeah, cold to conversion rate on LinkedIn, I, I believe, is less than uh, a tenth of a percent right now. It's insane. So it's cold insane. outreach, like not connected before to conversion. And yeah, j just like he's saying, just stop making it about you. Rule of thumb is something that I learned that was very useful. I don't even know whose rule of thumb this is or where the hell it came from. But it's one idea. Pick one idea, one topic. One. <laughs> and then two points of interest or points of discussion around that topic. That's it. But that is actually advice for when you give some sort of a workshop or a session or a meeting, it's one topic and two ideas or two uh, points of interest around that topic. I want to keep in mind that ideas are great. They're your ideas, but the points of interest need to be theirs, not yours. Yep. That's the, that's the key factor. You can use points of interest, but they can't be your points of interest. For example, my point of interest is getting you on a call so I can sell you something, but I can't say that. Right. Nobody's going to be like, all right, cool. Pitch me. Right. Like Nobody. Right. So you have to say, like, after reading your LinkedIn profile, I thought these would be very interesting points for us to discuss on a call. I'm free Wednesday at two. Are you? That is a swipe right. Yes. Send invite type of response. Then, and that's after you've already connected and sent the initial message. After you've got the traction. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, no, beautiful. I love it. So, okay, next segment here, because it's going to be quick. Two questions, two questions. Yeah. So, number one, what is the ultimatum, the takeaway? From this episode? Yeah, from you personally. What do you want people to remember? Oh, dude. Uh, so, for me, number one thing, you have to grow personally if you want to grow professionally. The two, you can't get to B without stopping at A. So, what are you doing personally in your personal life that is helping you grow professionally? That's the first takeaway. That's fantastic. Yeah. That, that's the first, the first, do you have a second one? The second takeaway is stop relying on other people to make you successful. Stop it. Just, just train your brain to be self-sufficient. You do not need external validation. What you need is a planned strategy that you can come in and execute on every single day that you own, that you can track, measure, and yield results from. Stop relying on external factors of any kind to make you quote unquote successful. Yeah, because you'll be waiting a very, very, very long time or it will never happen and then you'll never be successful. I, I run into salespeople like this all the time that I talk to, it, it's crazy. Well, you know, I'm waiting on my manager to write my my next sequence. It, I'm waiting for another list from marketing. Uh, okay, so you're just gonna sit here and and do what? Watch Netflix for the next? <laughs> you like, about that, but I see that happen all the time. <laughs> It's insanity. I, I don't understand. I don't understand at all. I mean, it, it's what 
where does that idea even stem from? But you know, total, totally unrelated here. Now, second question is, where can people find you? What's the best place to get in touch? And where can people find your business to work with you? The best thing that you can do is become a member of JB Sales and you can check it out at joinjbsales.com. This is where you can get access to all of our tips, techniques, tactics, trainings, takeaways. Uh, and then I also have a Slack channel that you get to be a part of where you can reach out to me anytime in Slack. And then we're doing, get this shit, we're doing weekly, no, bi-weekly, ask me anything sessions where you can bring real deals to the table and come ask me, John, Morgan, Shelly, Leslie, all the different questions that you want to ask. Uh, and even Meg Holsinger on the customer success side will get involved in these sometimes. And they are a real blast. You are not muted. You have a voice. Ask us your questions. Get the answers you need and better up. Wow, that's actually pretty epic. You just sold me on that last piece. Yeah, yeah, you just you just sold me on that last piece. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> Holy shit. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And everybody, again, this is James Buckley. Awesome dude. We've been friends for over three years. And we've been talking about this stuff for almost three years now. And it's about time it's come to surface because everybody's accepting of it now. Yeah. Now, again, this is Down the Rabbit Hole Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Turley. And of course, this is brought to you by White Rabbit Intel. If you're having difficulty, creating a quality over quantity approach. That's literally what we specialize in. We can identify the people who you're most likely to do business with or are a best fit to partner with or are a best fit to attend your webinar, whatever it may be. We can create those personas and do those predictions. Now, uh, thank you, everybody. If you share this, please use hashtag DTRH podcast. For, for James over here, use hashtag say what sales. And it's spelled exactly the way that you would think. And uh, again, thank you very much. You can find this at podcasts.whiterabbitintel.com. If you enjoyed this episode, follow Down the Rabbit Hole Podcast for new episodes weekly on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Pandora, and YouTube. If you'd like to apply to be featured on the podcast or recommend a featured guest, please feel free to email us at the team at whiterabbitintel.com.